0: On this episode, we'll be speaking with Anna Harris Parker. Um, as I always begin, uh, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on when you're actually listening to this episode. Uh, this is episode twenty. 20- 525 of the glory in our stories. Um, today I have the pleasure of interviewing Anna Harris Parker. Um, she was one of my former um, professors and now one of my good friends. Um, I start off by saying this, I wanted to create a, a, an idea of where she fit in, I guess, in my life in a sense, um, as, a, as a writer, I have, uh, I guess, three stages when it comes to um, the development of what I would name as my style. Um, I have the what stage, the how, and the why. Uh, The what for me was poetry, that was my my go-to medium as far as expressing myself and finding things out about myself that I didn't know before and the the how was how was I going to present this to the world because you can only write for so long and the funny thing I thought about was when you get into an argument you can't just take out a piece of paper and say oh I'm gonna write this down this (laughs) my response is gonna be in a couple of stanzas so I I couldn't express that and I couldn't articulate myself so once I got to college I, I learned that because I was responsible Um, For my thoughts And how I felt And nobody knew Unless I opened my mouth So the how Came into play Primarily in her class That's why I wrote that poem entitled "My." I guess it was my voice Mm -hmm. Because I found my voice In your class So um, I was able to Because I didn't really start Reciting my work Until college I mean I did it once For a talent show And um I, it was about three pages it was the hardest thing to do I had to memorize it because the person in charge of the oh, uh, wow. talent show was like um, this would be a lot better if you memorized it and wow. I remember reciting it and halfway I got stuck and people thought <laughs> that it was a part of the poem so they were like we thought you were just being dramatic and I said no I forgot <laughs> and I, I remember and then I kept going But it was, like I said, it was in your class when I realized that um, I had something to say. So Mm -hmm. this is what I was going to, this is how I was going to express that. And then after college, I asked the question, why do I do this? Mm -hmm. And then once I found that out, I was able to put everything together and it just branched out into other things. Thus, one of them being this podcast. So this is actually a fruit of a much bigger tree. Uh, that was planted since the day I was born, but a part of that, that um, the, the nourishment came from Anna's class. Well,
1: that's very, that's
0: very nice. Thank you. And so, um, so yeah. So I guess we'll uh, kick this off. Uh, go ahead and say I. I was introduced to her because I enrolled in one of her persona poetry classes, and it's probably the best experience, writing experience I've had in a while because it, it caused me to explore different aspects of poetry Mm -hmm. um really paying attention to form like I was I was more of a free verse I appreciated form when I was younger in a sense Mm -hmm. because that's what we had to learn right but to actually try it for myself and say to myself okay if I'm giving this amount of space how am I going to express this idea Mm -hmm. so it was challenging and when you're young you're not really fond of challenges (laughs) (laughs) but when you get older you realize how beneficial they are um, so, so, and I guess we'll kick off by saying um, you can tell us where you were born and you know, just a little bit about your childhood. Um,
1: I was born in Augusta at University Hospital and uh, grew up in Martinez outside of Augusta and uh, grew up in, in two different houses I lived um, in, um, you know, a, one neighborhood that was like right next door to the other one that we moved to um, later and uh, had a good, active childhood. We were really busy. Uh, My parents kept us busy. We played, uh, and I say we, um, so I have a younger brother. He's four years younger than I am. His name is Sam, and uh, we played sports. Uh, I did not play them very well, but we were always... (laughs) involved in sports and uh, my mom taught visual art for many years and so we were always doing like art projects and we played outside and we, there really wasn't um you know we were active I think my, my parents kept us very busy and um, and I uh, and we read a lot a lot we always did the. Um, what was it called Book It that Pizza Hut did, yeah. or you know the Pizza Hut thing? And then the, during the school year, and then you got like the Braves tickets, and mm-hmm. then in the summertime we did the library um, reading programs, and um, and we like we enjoyed it. I mean we had to do it. My mom made us do it, but we enjoyed it. And so um, yeah, we, we had a lot of activities when when I was little, and um, yeah, so it was a good a good active childhood.
0: I saw uh, one photo. It was you and your brother. I think y'all at the beach. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously he was a lot more sh- smaller than you. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a picture you had, of course, with your mom. And then I was noticing how how much you both resemble.
1: Oh, yeah. Everyone thought that, yeah, that yeah. that I was my mom in that picture. <laughs> and, like, who are these two kids you suddenly have who are, who are like, nine and five? So how does,
0: how does that make you feel now as an adult, like, knowing that, um, does it, I wouldn't say freak you out, but do you find, why do you feel knowing that you resemble your Looking mom? Looking like my mom? Yeah.
1: Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all. I've always, you know, thought that my mom was, you know, was a very beautiful um woman I mean I remember even when I was little thinking that my mom was really pretty and uh, it was interesting growing up you know people always say like oh you look so much like your mom but then as I got older people actually would say that I kind of look like my dad I think it's the eyebrows um but <laughs> <laughs> but um I think I, I do look like both my parents but it's Side by side comparison. I mean, yeah. I'm you know being a woman, I look clearly more like my mom. Um, so I think it's a compliment. I think I you know I think my mom's a pretty lady. I hope I age well like she like she is.
0: <laughs> it's funny you said about your dad because I think I told you once. Your dad reminds me of Martin Scorsese, yes. and I'm pretty sure he gets that a lot.
1: He has. Well, you told him that, and then several months later, it was not there wasn't much of a gap somebody else he was in an elevator and somebody else said that to him. <laughs> and he always just says i wish i had his money <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah
0: um so um so at what point could you say you've been basically reading all mm-hmm. your entire life um so what actually got you interested into poetry specifically um,
1: so i always so i always enjoyed reading and um I always enjoyed writing. So I remember writing stories um, from a pretty young age, just like around eight, nine, ten-ish. I wrote a lot. The other day, um, because I'm still unpacking boxes from when we moved (laughs) last year, and so I unpacked all my old journals, and I found I had this journal when I was nine. It was, and the cover was Little Women, and um, because I love that book, and uh, so I was like reading through some of the stories that I had written, and some of them were, I guess, now what we would call creative nonfiction, you know, mm-hmm. things that happened, but then some were imaginative. And I wrote this story uh, about this, because I took ballet when I was really little and I, I kind of wish I had stuck with it, but um, it was my, my favorite sport, if we can call it a sport. <laughs> um, but I wrote this story about this pig named Renee, which was my ballet teacher's name, uh, who wanted to be a professional ballerina or a prima ballerina, and uh, so I found that the other day. And I know that I wrote that one around the time I was nine. And I also, because um, my mom was really good about finding like art and writing contests and encouraging Sam and I had to um, to enter those. And so uh, Georgia, I think it was like the tourism. Group uh, or organization for the state of Georgia did this contest called uh, Welcome to Georgia Kids. And it was this kids' anthology that they were putting together where um, kids across the state could write in, could send in a story and like a piece of artwork, and they chose some to get published. And so um, one of mine was selected. I wrote about um, it's like the Great Crab Chase or something about Mm -hmm. this family beach trip to Jekyll Island. And and so that was in the book so you know early on I kind of I knew I liked to write and people would tell me that that I was pretty good um and I know I wrote poems when I was little but I really remember more fiction writing um in high school I took a creative writing class and I wrote a really bad poem uh and it was like I compared all of my friends close friends at the time, to flowers, oh, it was terrible. It was just like one simile after another, you know. This friend is this flower, and this friend is this flower. Um, but so, but then in college, uh, it was either my freshman year or my sophomore year. Um, where I went to school, um, You, we had, a, instead of a May semester, there was a January term, and that's when a lot of people took trips, like study abroad, study away, and so I did a study away to New Mexico this place called uh, the Ghost Ranch which is in northern New Mexico and um, this town called Abiquiu and I took a creative writing class and I went with some other uh, girls from school and uh, but I took creative writing and I think that's where the poetry um, really clicked for me Mm -hmm. because I was writing bad poems and kind of you know, for the three weeks that we were there, in a nice way, people were were basically telling me that. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. what they were really saying, you know, they were bad because they weren't um, honest, like I was withholding. Mm -hmm. And so I finally wrote this poem. It was still a bad poem, but it it was honest. And it Mm -hmm. was um, about a friend of mine that I had not spoken to in several years. Um, She had been one of my best friends in high school, and we, we had a falling out and I just kind of like let her have it in the poem, like everything that I had been holding on to, and um, but it but it had a strong voice, and you know, and it had imagery, and it had all these things that you know poems are supposed to have, and um, but it was honest, and I think that's you know, and finally, like they all clapped, and um, mm-hmm. that was a, that was a turning point for me, yeah.
0: um,
1: and then there have been like several turning points after that, but I think for as far as poetry really clicking yeah it was early in college
0: so um i guess that would spill over to the next question mm-hmm. who would who what writer would you say an artist that really inspired you
1: so i just i told you I, I just got back from like the mecca of creative writing conferences the awp conference and i saw um my favorite and one of my first poetry teachers and i'm almost cried when I saw her, and I'm like, I hope I don't cry now telling you about it, because she just made that much of a difference um, in my life, and uh, her name is uh, Diane Gillum, and uh, I think maybe, did we read Kettlebottom when you were yes, in Yes, we did. Her, okay, so yeah. the, Diane, that's Diane's book. Um, wow. And uh, she did a reading when I was at Converse College, and I just remember being so captivated by her reading because uh, her, her poems are about the West Virginia coal mining wars in the 1930s, and um, just these voices that she took on, you know, these in, in like young voices. And I just, she was the best reader at that point that I had ever seen. But then um, she took a, a visiting professor position my senior year of college, and I got to study with her for a whole year, and it was just amazing. Um, She gave me this, we would talk in her office regularly, and she gave me this great reading list and told me to read um, a lot of Southern writers, a lot of Appalachian writers. And, and, you know, I'm a senior in college, but up to that point, like, I didn't know that you could write narrative poems, I guess. Like, I didn't know that sort of what I had grown up doing as a kid, I really loved stories, reading them and writing them, I didn't know that you could do that with a poem, and I didn't know that people were writing and publishing poems about people like people like in my family. You know, people mm-hmm. that I could identify with. And uh, she was just so encouraging, but just exposed me to um, a whole genre of literature I did not know existed. And um, and that's not to discredit my other teachers, um, but I just connected with her in such a way, and she was so encouraging. Um, and in another early, and I, I just saw her, too, uh, at this conference, another early um, teacher. She was uh, she was also a visiting professor at Converse, but for a much shorter amount of time. Uh, but her name's Anita Skeen, and she's also a poet um, from West Virginia, so another Appalachian poet. So I really got into Appalachian literature because that was just the closest thing to um, like stories I had heard my father tell growing up and that I had been interested in, and and uh, Anita introduced me to a lot of um, different writers and kind of exercises, but Diane, studying with her, I mean, that was just really life-changing. I still have my, my thesis manuscript as an undergraduate with her notes on it and everything. I mean, it's just, it is so special to me of, you know, yeah. that's like, I should probably put it in a safety deposit box because it, <laughs> I mean, it really means that much to me. She really um, changed my life. She
0: really did. It's funny you said that because um, one of the best papers that I've ever gotten back from um, school as far as um, being graded was from Dr. Kisting. Mm-hmm. He, because he's one of the most, I wouldn't say difficult like to deal with, mm-hmm. but his classes aren't easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, his curriculum is, and his way of, of teaching is very um, advanced, and if I was maybe five years younger when I, I would have cried like dealing yeah. with that class. But it was challenging,
1: right. and
0: I remember writing a paper, and he gave me a grade. He said, "This is the highest grade I can give you mm-hmm. because you really did well right here, mm-hmm. but the other areas you could obviously need work in." But coming from him, that right. was like I was I can graduate now. That's how, right. that's how I felt. <laughs> Yeah. And, I, and I, when you said that, because I thought about professors and teachers mm-hmm. that I've had that really changed my life. Um, I always, when people think about the military, they think about mm-hmm. how, how much it changed them. Right. And mm-hmm. this, this school was my military um, because it, it it taught me a sense of discipline. Mm-hmm. And the, I call it the all-star lineup. It was uh, it was you, Slatky, um, Dr. Hegwood, um, Dr. Armstrong. Um, and it was just for some odd reason at that point, I, I had the teaching that I needed to help mold and shape my writing into what it was meant to be. And when you said that, like, when I think about that, it Mm -hmm. really warms my heart. Um, and is and I can only imagine (laughs) how you felt actually seeing and meeting her.
1: I mean, cause it... (laughs) In a non stalker way, when I would encounter people that I knew, like, knew her or likely knew her, Mm -hmm. um, I would always ask, like, how she, because I would Google her from time to time and nothing would really come up. And um, I just wanted to know how she was doing because it's like she was my teacher and then she just kind of left and I didn't, she wasn't at my undergraduate institution anymore, so I didn't really have a way to to get in touch with her. And um, yeah, it just, yeah. Those those teachers are really, um, they're really good ones that you connect with. I mean, there's, that's an experience.
0: Yeah. So. and I just it um it sort of bothers me when people don't give teachers the uh, credit that they deserve. I mean, y'all, are, yeah, you you play you feel you fulfill so many roles, and I guess it's the human aspect, be able to sit down with a student and see their potential mm-hmm. and, and and try to pull it out of them as opposed to fussing at them and saying you're not, this is what you're not doing right. but meeting them where they're at
1: yeah.
0: and um, as a writer that's what you did to me uh, when we, especially when I was doing my portfolio because all of, all of that was everything in there was 100% true and it was my life uh, I remember when I was younger my dad, because he knew I wanted to write he mm-hmm. said when you write about me Please be kind. And <laughs> I was like, Yeah, well, I'll be truthful.
1: Right, you you were honest. I'll be honest. Yeah.
0: And uh, we actually have a I'm not gonna say the name, but we have a friend in common that's very um, shy about being candid in mm-hmm. their work. And I'm like, don't do that because you write so well. Mm-hmm. And it's you'd be amazed at how it affects us, your audience, mm-hmm. if you would express
1: after this, you have to tell me. Who I will. Who that I will. But, but when this
0: person said, "I'm like you're robbing us of an awesome opportunity," it's true.
1: I mean, that's that's what happened to me when when I was in that creative writing class at the Ghost Ranch. I mean, yeah, the, your your audience knows when, yeah, when you're withholding. Yeah, they do.
0: And yeah. um, wow, and it's weird because I we've only as 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 students we've only heard you read maybe like. A handful of times, probably not even that. Yeah. And it was always a pleasure. I, I think, like I told you, the last time I heard you read, it was a poem that you wrote for, I think it was a funeral. hmm And um, I, to um, to experience life in such a way, because it's always, I find it sometimes difficult to write in the middle mm-hmm. of whatever you're going through because mm-hmm. you have to experience it and to uh, conjure up the correct wording right. to say exactly how you feel but in the midst of that you're going you're digging deep into the emotion and it's already hurting because the womb is f- is fresh right. um, but when you said it's when you started writing about how you really felt how about what mm-hmm. was going on I think that's that's the essence of it of, of writing in general because that's what it did for me mm-hmm. like uh, Lupe Fiasco had a song hip-hop saved my life mm-hmm. and that's that's what writing does but to be able to actually meet the one person you know that actually influenced you I would have I would have acted like a little little child
1: yeah I mean it's it's just crazy you know you yeah I think you and I being children of teachers I think that also has yes that makes a big difference as far as how you encounter teachers throughout your life yeah Um, yeah
0: you start realizing what you need and there are some teachers that you you can tell that probably don't care right yeah. and um but and I was telling I was talking to, um, I think it's Adrian about that about being having a mom as an educator and it as a parent in general mm-hmm. it, you begin to understand and appreciate the value of education and what right. it can do right and in many areas of your life that it can manipulate in very good ways yeah um but yeah, it's and it's funny because my mom she she knew, like I've stated before, she knew that was the how I, I spoke. Mm-hmm. So she didn't take that away from me, fortunately. Um but um, especially being in your class, in a classroom of others, you begin to learn more about people
1: mm-hmm. through what they write. Yes. And
0: it's um it can be a very Intimidating experience because uh, you yeah. know during your uh, workshops, all those poems like man have been <laughs> they, were, they were like blind readings mm-hmm. and people would say some things and I'll be cringing because <laughs> like the the subject is me mm-hmm. and they one time uh I don't mind saying it, it's Kyle uh-huh. he, he he dogged me out <laughs> he's like this man is a jerk and I'm sitting there like oh man wait till he finds out who it is. Uh, but um, I guess I go this will filter into the next question and mm-hmm. maybe maybe somebody different who inspired you as a woman
1: I think a, lo- a lot of women um, I, I've been really fortunate I mean teachers yes but I think that's just so um, like kind of one-sided I mean that relationship so I, I think about um women that I I know better Uh, so I mean definitely in my family uh, me and my mom is um, a really important person I think we um, like most mothers and daughters have had our moments but she is um, tough and I, I think I I like to think I, like I recognized that when I was younger. I don't know if I really did. I definitely recognize it now. Um, but I think by the time I got in college, I, 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 I did. I recognized it. And so I guess I was still you know, 18, 19. That's pretty young. Um, she went through a lot when she was younger. And I watched her go through, you know, some things happened when I was, Uh, A little older so kind of between 13 and um, uh, 17 we lost a lot of people in my mom's family and that was really hard you know I I grew up knowing that she had lost um, her younger sister when I was uh, an infant um, to a car accident and and that was always kind of there um, that sadness and then uh, when I was 13 um, her second oldest sister passed away um, she, she took her own life, and and that was that was my godmother, mm-hmm. and that was really hard on the whole family, and um, so that was in ninety nine, and then um, that really took a toll on my grandparents, and so they passed away, um, you know, several years after that one in two thousand, and then um, actually my mom's mom passed away fifteen years ago today, oh, wow. and um, so I, um, thanks, and it, you know, so just watching my mom go through all that while she's also trying to raise two kids you know and she was working full-time you know she's a mother she was a teacher she's a wife she was a daughter she was still a sister having one surviving aunt um, on my mom's side and so just watching her go through all of that um, and really she would probably disagree but I think in retrospect doing it very well um, amazingly well That that made a huge impact. I mean, my mom's a pretty stoic person, and so I, I think that's, I like to think I have some of that. Um, And uh, and then too, just I mean, her independently, she's, I mean, that's kind of one thing. But she, um, she has had two major health scares. One of them was just a couple years ago, and she's just taken everything to me like a champ. And I just (laughs) I don't know like where where it comes from. So I think she's really um, inspiring, and she's super supportive of of me and my brother. I mean, there have been, you know, I won't exploit my whole family here, but there have been a lot of things that she's had to deal with, and uh, in her life, and I've I've watched her deal with a lot of them, and um, it's it's just um, it's pretty incredible. So I, you know, if I just have like a quarter of, of that strength, then I feel like I'll you know, have been pretty blessed. <laughs> um, but you know, and then to my both of my grandmothers, I didn't. You know, my mom's mom, I didn't know her incredibly well because uh, you know I was still in high school when she passed away. But she uh, was a, a German immigrant. Uh, she, when she met my grandfather, she you know came to the to the U.S. became a citizen. Uh, she didn't talk about a lot of things um, in her past. She grew up during World War II in Germany, and um, that, for you know, obvious reasons, is really painful for her to talk about. Uh, so I didn't know her very well, but I do um, have a lot of respect for her um, and what I do know about her. And then my dad's mom, too, is, she's still uh, alive. She's 95, she'll be 96 this year, and um, she's in a nursing home, so she doesn't, you know, have all of her faculties. Um, but she's tough, I mean, yeah, she's super tough. And um, it was interesting, she and I, she's so tough that she always kind of, you know, we would sort of talk about her as like, um, maybe too tough, like kind of a hard nose, um, for lack of a better word. And uh, But when I moved back here, and uh, I spent a lot of time with her because she was getting ready to move into a nursing home. and um, that was a special time. She um, and I've written about that. Uh, just her, she offered some stories that I had not heard, and um, I just got to see a different side of her. And I don't know that I don't think it's me projecting. I just like to think that it was her being ninety and getting ready to move into a nursing home, and you know, having a granddaughter here to talk to and. Um, so I've been really fortunate to have a lot of kind of incredible women in my family to, to learn from. Um, my dad's mom, she, uh, I mean, just even when I was younger, kind of noticing, she was an she was an independent woman, I and mean, she was divorced. She um, was married twice, divorced twice. Um, I was, she was, you know, never married for, you know, by the time I came along, and um, so she was always independent. She was she. Had her own job she paid her own bills she had her own house she mm-hmm. did whatever she wanted to do she went on church trips and she stayed out until 2 a.m babysitting for you know people if they needed her and yeah. you know she was 85 and still riding a lawnmower you know <laughs> around her yard she is amazing and uh so i think just all of those things are really important and um and uh and you know and there have been other women too i've had some really you know close friends that you know I, that I admire um especially the ones who are you know working full-time going to school raising kids I just yeah. you know I think you know I asked my mom recently because that's what she did you know she she didn't even start teaching until after my brother was born um, she had a whole other career uh, before and um I'm just asking her like how did you do it I mean I just you know, I think some days I complain about being tired, or you know, I complain about not having enough time for things. I'm just thinking, how, like, how did, how did you do that? Like, how did you do all of this and then some? And, and we never really knew the difference. So, I think that's, that's kind of a rambling answer to your question. No, no, no. But, I, um, there are a lot of, I'm there are a lot of women in my life, and I'm, I won't even talk about, you know, I went to for my um, bachelor's degree, I went to a women's college, and so I was surrounded by um, accomplished women, you know, talented women who are doing amazing things. They work at the CDC and they work, you know, like Asia Bank, you know, overseas and in the country of Georgia. And they work in India with um, girls who have been, you know, um, abused or, um, you know, who have suffered, um, you know, human trafficking and, and things like that, and so um, I have a lot of people to, to kind of look to if I if I feel short <laughs> on inspiration as a woman. So.
0: So where did you get? Now this is one thing that I noticed as a student: your demeanor mm-hmm. in class pretty much matches that. From what I've seen, that outside of class, like this mm-hmm. sense of 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 quality. Um, because at that time, you know, I, th- I mm. thought you were older than me because right now, obviously, we're 27, like, you know, so.
1: <laughs> right, wink, uh, Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I, it was, and even even when I met Adrian, I thought she was five years older than me mm-hmm. based off how she presented herself. Mm-hmm. And this was something that, because um, I was, I think, like a freshman, sophomore something, and mm-hmm. I'm used to people acting a certain way but meeting a professor, because I knew, I always knew you weren't as old as, like, right. everybody else. But I was like, she's, she, you always carried yourself well. Now, would you say this is something that you inherited from your mom or just developed on
1: on Yeah, I mean, I can make a joke and say, like, fake it till you make it. Um, <laughs> but um, I think so, you know. I, but I was, I think I was always a pretty serious, quiet child. Mm-hmm. Um and and like neither one of my parents—they're not really loud people. Right? My dad, my dad's a talker. He likes to talk, um, but yeah, I think, but he's still—he he's still—I would say reserved. I mean, he likes to talk. You know, he's a business owner, and so he has to talk for his job. And yeah. uh, when he's with his friends, you know, people he's grown up with or family—I mean, they can talk all day long. And they reminisce. Um, but he's a pretty reserved person, and my mom is too. Um, and I think for her, you know, having a, a German mother and a you know Lieutenant Colonel father probably <laughs> had a lot to do with that. Um, for my dad, I'm not really, I don't know, um, but yeah, I think a lot of it I inherited. You know, I used to I used to cross my arms all the time when I was little, and um, my dad would you know get on to me. People would ask, oh, "Are you cold? Are you mad?" I'm like, "No, I just." I don't know. I just it was just a uh, I guess a maybe a comfort thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, it yeah it used to bother me. I guess it still bothers me sometimes that I I don't have that um, even like a small like extrovert gene. Although I think I'm getting better.
0: As she was speaking on this, I I recall my experience um, as an extrovert as an introvert sorry <laughs> no, i'm definitely not an extrovert uh, as an introvert especially in high school uh, that's why um uh, you know it's a completely different story but this story is specifically about uh anna i've always seen her as a professor and um uh, i actually thought she was older um strictly because of how she carried herself she's very classy uh when it came to instructing her classrooms um but uh, I always was curious about the person behind the teacher. I had many teachers in my life and I was always, it was always good to see their, uh, their humanism. If that's such a word. Uh, but anyway, continue to listen to, uh, episode 25 of the glory in our stories featuring the awesome Anna Harris Parker.
1: Um, you know, and because people would say, you know, what's what's wrong? You know, if I if I wasn't talking or something, and nothing's wrong. I, I'm just I'm listening or I'm observing or honestly, I'm probably totally tuned out, and I'm thinking <laughs> about any number of things. You know, mm-hmm. but I just, um, yeah, I I guess it, I guess it's, it's inherited and, um, yeah, mm-hmm. it, yeah. I've, it bothered me when people, when I first started teaching um, students would write on evaluations that I was intimidating, um, and my mom has gotten that too, and so yeah, I think some of it is. Really? Yeah, and I, and we, you know, I could start to say, well, it's probably because I'm a woman, because if I were a man, they probably wouldn't have, you know, said something like that, yeah. or, um, I think I'm just a quiet person, and, um. And I'm trying to learn to to be okay with that. And if other people aren't, then oh well. But you know, like my husband, he's not a quiet person um, at all, and I mean, <laughs> he also likes to talk. And um, when we were, yeah, when um, we were dating, I think he just kind of figured out that I'm just like I'm having fun. I'm having a good time. We're you know out doing something. I just I'm just quiet. Yeah. and Res- more reserved I guess unless I'm you know I, with people that I, I'm really really comfortable with and have known probably for a long time
0: I think that's how I am as well
1: yeah
0: um, back in the day I guess people would ask me if I'm wrong I said no I'm just right. I'm observing um, yeah and I um I think people like us we whenever we go somewhere that's totally new we have to mm-hmm. fill it out yes. and to know where we can fit in and What I would do is, I would walk up to a group of people that's talking, and Mm -hmm. I would just give it maybe two or three minutes.
1: Mm -hmm. And I'm
0: like, okay, I can't add anything to this conversation. So I'll just either listen or I'll go over here.
1: I know. I have terrible social anxiety. I don't know if you suffer from that, but I do, I mean, big time. Um, Um, With large groups, especially large groups of people, but even some small groups of people, I like to at least know one other person.
0: Yeah. yeah I um I've met most of my friends have mentioned that they get social anxiety mm-hmm. and like, I like it. and it's funny because they all have different personalities like one guy is he's a um, professional trainer and he mentioned it oh, wow. but if you talked to him you would have never thought that and I know I get that way um, when it's with people I'm not familiar with and they're a lot different than I am and Mm -hmm. I feel that if I I guess let my freak flag fly (laughs) it it may be a color that they're not used to Mm -hmm. so I tend to be very reserved Um, now I and and it's funny uh, because now we're like we're not what we used to be Mm -hmm. we used to be a lot more close then but now it's like we're we're aware of who we are Mm -hmm. and what we are and yeah. it makes it easier.
1: I think so. Yeah, I think you're right.
0: So, um, and you get a, because you usually come in contact with people that maybe contest an idea that you have mm-hmm. or just, just be a complete jerk. Right. And so you put up yeah. your, your wall, um, not to completely reject them, mm-hmm. but disallowing them to infiltrate your point, your perspective and tamper what you have, I right. guess. Um, but yeah, that's I was because in high school I didn't talk to anybody. I tell people all that high school was a blur because mm-hmm. I was so close then, and all I did yeah. was write and draw. And I I don't I I don't want that for my kid. So mm-hmm. when I if I Lord God blesses me with the ability to have kids, that's one thing I would stress. Yeah. Please enjoy high school please enjoy yeah. college oh
1: yeah i hated high school <laughs> i think i mean i had friends in high school but it was not a, and, and i think there were other things going on but it just yeah overall o- overall was not a, a pleasurable experience i was just like ready to get out yeah and go to a women's college <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's funny you mentioned that because one of my I, maybe i've told you i'm not sure one of my favorite movies is mona lisa smile
1: really no yes. we haven't talked about this
0: Man, like I was when I first saw it, I'm like, "What is this about?" I mm-hmm. thought it was about the painting,
1: mm-hmm. but it
0: was about a concept much bigger than that. Obviously, yeah. she was teaching a classroom full yeah. of women. Uh, I think it was like the 40s or the 50s, mm-hmm. and they were women that were basically being trained to be housewives right. and mothers, and but there was a few um, women in there that were willing to break those right. um, stereotypes. And they had a professor that came in. I think it was the prior professor was either a woman or a man. Well, obviously somebody didn't think mm-hmm. the same way Julia Roberts did. Yeah. Um, but she offered a sense of freedom,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and which is beautiful because around this time, which I honestly think is the time Wonder Woman came out. Mm-hmm. So for somebody to actually think about a character of a of, of female. Um, protagonist mm-hmm. that can basically take charge right Men were like this no this is absurd you know this woman should right. be wearing a dress and not being able to kick a guy 50 feet across the right. field um, but I, I really admired that because growing up in a house full of women I've noticed that you all have yeah. the women have the potential to lead and funny how you listen to you say that about your mom because mom did some things. I'm like, how?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How? Did, and, and and when we mention it to her now, like especially me, when you're the youngest, you, you sometimes you think that we're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. Like my parents, we but we see these things and we notice them. And there were a lot of times, mom just did some things. I don't, I don't know what it is about. Maybe it's just something that maybe it's a power that you mm-hmm. inherit once you get to a certain point, and it's like you can lift a lift a country or lift a block. If you, if you really had to and it's, it's just amazing to see and you end up asking yourself what do you get this from
1: Yeah.
0: what do you get it from So, um, but that's one of my favorite movies because it empowers women and it lets them know you're not limited because right. of your sex you're not limited because of your gender or anything else if this is what you want to do do it and it's just funny how the one of them was Kristen Dunst I think yes and, and Julia
1: Stiles, yeah, I really like her. She's in there.
0: And is she the one that? Which one is her?
1: It's been so long um, since I've seen it. As far as the roles that they played, but I think um, they were really good friends. I think in the movie, yeah. and they were both getting married. I think mm-hmm. you know the joke about women's colleges more then than it is now is that you you went to get your MRS degree, um, and, oh, yeah. and right, you know you're wow. going you're going to it's sort of like your degree that you earn is like decorative, but you're really learning to to, to be a wife um, And so not so much now fortunately, but wow but yeah I wrote a paper on that movie uh, when really? I was, yeah when I was in grad school because I, I you know we had to take certain you know, research writing classes and um, so single gender education was kind of something that I was and still I guess a, a big proponent of.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: so yeah
0: wow. That's cool. I have to buy. I think I bought it, but it was it really touched me. Um, it just opened my eyes to a broader perspective when it came mm-hmm. to women and the uh, the weight that you all have to continuously carry, like like um it's easy for me and I was and I think I said I mentioned this to somebody prior. I said me as I as me myself as a black man have more liberty than any woman and that's sad because I can just walk I can go anywhere I can do anything and they can say oh that's a man he can handle mm-hmm. himself so we might be intimidated by that but what a female like you constantly have to walk around with question marks everywhere is this going to happen is, are they going to do this to me are they going to treat me the way that they, it's just so many yeah. questions so much uncertainty but with us we have we can wake up with a sense of of um of knowledge and a and a, a sense of worth, saying that oh I can do this be, just because,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, which I think is unfair. And I think it's the awareness that has to happen more. Yeah, you know, I, just being knowledgeable.
1: Yeah. I, unfortunately, I think it it is um, changing. Yeah. So.
0: and um, we're going. I guess I go on to this. God. Was really, it's funny, because <laughs> um, I really wanted to ask you this, uh, Aaron. Mm-hmm. S- Sent me the video clip, because uh, we were talking about um, what's her name? The Instagram poet.
1: Oh, Ruby uh, Ruby Kaur, Car K A U R.
0: Is Ruby Core? Core, I think. Rupi, yes, thank you. Ruby Core, and the um, the the idea of poetry mm-hmm. right now in like two thousand. Eighteen and is where it's going.
1: This is about the SNL skit. Yes, I, <laughs> oh, you haven't watched it? I looked it? it up. I I had not seen it, and that's uh-huh. so I had to. I was preparing to talk to you today, so I yeah, I looked it up and watched it this morning. Uh,
0: but you see, you see with how they portrayed a common. Yes. And
1: so we should. So was this? This is a recent SNL episode, mm-hmm. right? Was Sterling K. Brown, um, who I really like um, a lot, the actor from? Um, he's been in a lot of things, but he's on This Is Us. Um he, he plays, Black Panther. Co- he plays yes, yes. Yes. And he's been in several other things. Um he's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah he plays common <laughs> in this skit. Um because when I when you when you asked that when I saw the question about um like taking poetry seriously and I wasn't really sure what you meant and then I watched that skit and I thought, Oh <laughs> I know what this is about. Um and, and again this conference I just got back from it's like like all of those people who take poetry so seriously it's like you know so many of them were there i mean and they're not all you know not all poets of course are like that but um, yeah. yeah um i we've talked about the sort of instagram poetry i think it's great and that people are more people are reading poetry yeah. because it's on twitter it's on instagram it's on facebook um and so more people are being exposed to poetry, and I don't think you can um, deny that being a good thing. Um, my concern is just if if it stops there, like if people yeah. think that Ru- people you know that writers like Ruby Kaur that that that's kind of all there is, um, I think that's really unfortunate. Um, and it's not to like discredit her work or anybody else's work. There's just so much out there, and I. When we had a poet here last spring, um, Amy Nezuku Matatil, uh, she's an Asian American poet. She said something in her talk. Uh, it was sort of directed at teachers that that we teach the literature that we value, and that really stuck mm-hmm. with me. Um, and and I think I was doing that before, but not so consciously. Um, because once she said that, then you know every semester I really have thought about. If I put this book on my syllabus, um, what am I saying to a student? I mean, yes, I mean, I know that normally I would include it because I think it's important or I think it's really good, but, like, what kind of message is that sending to a student as far as the diversity of literature that is out there? Um, so I've tried to be even more conscious of that. And um, and I do, in poetry classes especially, I like to teach books of poetry that, that basically did. You know, what I had um, from my teacher Diane, when she gave me this great reading list, and I learned about all these writers um, that I did not know about before. I mean, so a lot of them were Appalachian writers, so a lot of them were white, but um, she also introduced me to Frank X. Walker and Afro poets, which mm. I, this is a whole, you know, a whole thing that I didn't know existed, and I wouldn't have known about it if it had not been for her. So I, you know, I like to teach, you know, um, like Jericho Brown and um, uh, people like Avian and Jordan, who, I don't remember if we read that in the class that you were in, did we read Magnolia? Yes, we did. Okay, yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's a great book. I mean, the story is is amazing, but just like what Avian and Jordan does with those definition poems, you know, where it looks Mm -hmm. like a dictionary entry, just, you know, how many people know that that's what a poem can be? Right? Um, so I think it's important. I think, you know, yay, Instagram poetry. I think it's great. I really do. Um, so long as people understand that if you put your poetry out on social media, you are publishing it, you're self publishing it, so you might not be able to, to place it elsewhere. Um, but uh, I think if it's getting people's feet wet, in poetry, great. I just, I don't want it to stop there. Like, I don't want people to limit themselves to Instagram poetry, Mm. you know, go to the Boat Tavern and like look at the poetry section or come (laughs) to Reese Library and, and, um, you know, and and look at a literary magazine or check out a collection of poetry and a contemporary collection of poetry. And it's not that it's not that some of the canonical poets, um, you know, or like early 20th century poetry. It's not that that's bad. It's just, you know, read people who are, like, living, breathing, writing right now because there's so many, and there's so many good things, and they're so different. Um, You know, eco-poetry, you know, poetry about the environment and nature, that's huge right now. And, um, you know, I think for people to understand that, you know, whatever interest there is, um, whatever interest they have, there's probably poetry about it. Yeah. most people don't know that, you know, if you play baseball, I could you know, give you several poets who, who write about baseball, you know, and, um, you know, poetry's f- for everybody. And I, I think with that skid, um, for Common, and you know you can speak to him more than I can, um, I love people like that, you know, he's kind of like this over-the-top, everything that comes out of his mouth, and that skid is a poem, um. I think there are people who genuinely are like that, and I think that's great. That's not me. I mean, I like to think that I'm a, you know, yes, I'm a poet, but I'm not, you know, forcing it on anybody. If you want to talk to me (laughs) about it, sure, I would love to talk to you about it. Um, I'm not going to force it on anyone. I'll sneak it into, like, my classes whenever I can, but, um, you know, I think there are people who genuinely, like, live and breathe it, and, and that's great for them. Yeah. Um, for me, it's it's more than an occupation. It's you know, it's like um, I don't, like exercise. I guess I could not exercise for the rest of my life, and I probably would live a while. because I eat you know decently, and I'm you know I probably be okay. But I feel so much better when I do yeah. exercise, and the same is true for poetry. I mean, I wouldn't die if I if I never wrote another poem, but I feel so much better when I do, or when I'm reading poetry, and it's, it is it is an integral part of, of my life, so.
0: And it's and it's highly therapeutic.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I, I haven't, I was very lucky last summer, I had a lot of writing time, um, but you know, when I'm teaching full time, it's really hard to, to carve out that time to protect my writing time, and, um, and I haven't been good about it lately, and, and I can feel it, you know? It's yeah. like if I don't go walking for a few days, I can, I can feel, you know, that it's in my head. But if I don't get it out on paper, then it's um, that's not the best way for me to live. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so has has your um, your new office and hmm. and um encouraged you to, yeah. to write more or?
1: Yeah, it has. Um, it um, yeah. So having my own office is. Uh, at home is essential. I can't really write at school. I mean, I can write like silly poems um, at work, but having a home office, um, yeah, that's been a a big difference. And it's nice too because I can I can write a little bit, and then I can turn around, and I can read a little bit, and every I just have my own space, which um, like you think writing like what kind of space do you need to write? Um, but I, but I do. I need, like, mental space, but also physical space. Um, and so, it, yeah, it's, it's made a big difference. I mean, like, last summer, I, um, my, my um, MFA thesis, which was a, a book-length manuscript that I had been trying to, like, um, substitute different poems for a long time. And I just ultimately decided it's not a book. It's just, it's just not a book. So I whittled it down to a chapbook. And um, it was nice to have that space in my office where I could spread out, you know, like 40 pages and I could just leave them there. You know, like the dogs (laughs) are like walking all over them, but, you know, more or less, I could just leave them there and just kind of like organically figure out, um, you know, these poems go together, these poems go together, like the different sections and just that visual space that, that, um, you know, I learned in school was really helpful, but I just had not had it. Mm-hmm. in a while and um, yeah it's it's nice it's it. I'm I know I'm I'm very fortunate to have an office and so I yeah I appreciate it
0: for those of you who are listening um, as a writer it's like um, I don't know it's like having for a mechanic like having like this ultimate garage that you've always been dreaming of having. and having it's um, and I had a, I think it was a housewarming mm-hmm. event, and her and Caleb opened their home, and we had an opportunity to go upstairs and see this beautiful office, and I was like, oh my goodness, it was like, um, whenever I walk into a, a store that has mm-hmm. like cool uh, collectibles, mm-hmm. cause I I collect busts, like I have this uh, Luke Cage bust that I got. For uh, yeah, for graduation, uh, and when I got that, I was like, Yeah, like it's just walking into yeah. a, a room full of that, having that um experience, and I was like, I can only imagine because you're she has yeah built in shelving,
1: it's yeah. Like, so, the woman who owned the house before, she was a retired English teacher, and um, I don't, I don't think she was ever your teacher, was she?
0: Uh, what was um, her name,
1: Kathy Mogish? no, no. Um she was a retired English teacher and so they she built out this corner of their uh, the attic, yeah, into her office. So it's a built in desk and then the wall of the desk faces, there's a bookcase on either side and then the two of the other walls in the office are also built in bookcases. So there's just crazy amount of shelving and that I'm, you know, <laughs> slowly going bankrupt to film whatever. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, that was a huge selling point. I think Caleb knew that we were in trouble when we walked upstairs <laughs> and saw, saw the office. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, yeah, it's like the, the writer's garage. There's this, you, I should just loan it to you, um, there's this great book called Carolina Writers at Home, published by Hub City Press. And you just, you get these, these amazing black and white photographs of all these different writers. Offices wow. and like where they write, and there are these short essays about them. Oh, it's so great! And you're like, <laughs> oh yes, that's a great idea. And maybe I would like to have my childhood dollhouse in my office. <laughs> so
0: that's uh, that's something that I look forward to having is that space. Yeah. Um, we were we were talking, Adrian. And I was talking about this a while back. She said, if we were to get our own place, what what's a must have? Uh-huh. And I said, I have to have my office so I can write, and it can't just be some nook like it has to it has to have space and um, it's just something about the the smell it's the the feel it's the temperature it's it's everything plays a a part in the process Mm -hmm. and as a writer I just I love the process it's never the finished product that really because sometimes as a writer you just don't Mm -hmm. feel like it's finished until you just let it go and um, but that whole having all using all those elements to create that which you've been stuck in your ear for maybe mm-hmm. a long time, and realize it's not just the words; it's an experience. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: but speaking of, and this will be my, my last question for you.
1: Okay.
0: Um. The the concept of, of marriage. Now that you're married, now, um. Is it is it something that the experience itself is it what you thought it would be, or, uh, or is it a mixture of that mm-hmm. and you just finding out? new things as you all go along?
1: I think it's a combination. Uh, So one thing that... So Caleb and I, uh, we dated for... um, Well, we dated for almost four years before we were engaged. So it was close to, I guess, four and a half, five by the time we got married. Um, And... uh, We lived together before, for, I guess, maybe two two years-ish uh, before we got married. And so, you know, a lot of people, because um, I mean, we were you know, not old, but older. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so a lot of people were like, oh, it's not going to, you know, you've already lived together. It's not going to really be any different. It's just a piece of paper. And I <laughs> I kept thinking, I hope that's not true. Yeah. Um, and it's not. Not for us, at least. I think um, it's, it's, uh, marriage is great it's uh, challenging and I know that we haven't even seen a a fraction of how challenging it will be Uh, but um, it's just a nice feeling to to know that you have a person who's always on your side and and even if maybe you don't 100% agree with that person all the time it's part of your job like to know like when to maybe speak up and say, "Well, I don't know if, you know, I, I don't totally agree." And then sometimes it's just your job to be supportive. And you know that you want to do that because they're doing that for you. Yeah. And um, it yeah, it's just such a I don't know, it's just such a nice feeling. I don't really know how to explain it cuz when you're when you're dating and even if you're if you're living together when you're dating, there's always um, always have an out and it's not like you live that way but you know that if if things go south that it's you know you can move on and there you know it won't be especially complicated Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, you know when when we were living together we still kind of even though we knew we both felt like we were going to get married um, we still kind of had our independent lives and um you know uh we shared a house but that was kind of um we were still very much independent and so you know being married especially having a place of our own I think that really that made a huge difference being able to move into a new place you know, new to both of us um yeah it's, it's just a comforting feeling to have that stability and um and someone to make plans with, and like to have to start new uh, um, traditions with, and um, yeah, just to have to have your person kind of with you all the time, and um, and not, and we still have, you know, we're still very much our own, you know, different people, but it's just, it's just nice to, yeah to have someone to it sounds really really juicy
0: but to have someone to come home to and to talk to and um, that you can count on you know that's funny it's so it it, it, man it warmed my heart when I found out that you were getting married and I was like my heart it just it just melted because I was like that was so cool to see you from the first time you started at Augusta Mm -hmm. University up until and to see that progression and I'm like, oh well. obviously, the next step is going to have children, so everybody's <laughs> waiting on that. So, um, and um, but it was that was that was beautiful, and and I'm learning that this experience is not just for the bride. Like it's no. it's just as meaningful yeah. for the groom as well, and um, the honor. As a man being said yes to, I think it's underrated Mm -hmm. Um, because what a woman is saying is, "I am entrusting you with everything that I am and everything that I'm bringing, and to help me carry
1: this weight of life to be a partner." Yes,
0: and it's 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 a huge honor, and it's something that I've always myself as a as a as a male has always Mm. looked forward to it. Um, basically coming from my mom and my sisters and seeing that a lack of something created this but i have the opportunity to to Mm -hmm. make something better and break that cycle um it's funny but i never have you ever written about marriage prior to this or
1: not prior to being married yeah Um, because as a writer i've never
0: i've never done that
1: No, I am and really for the longest time like I so I got away from I wrote persona poems for a long time and I got away from writing about myself Mm -hmm. um I've just kind of started to to get back to that um so I've written some poems um about Caleb but not um not really about marriage per se not yet I have um the one one I wrote um that I think you were talking about earlier that I had read. Um, a, a, right after we got married, we lost one of our dogs, yeah. and um, so I wrote. You know, I wrote that, but it wasn't. It was really about that experience, not marriage, so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, not yet. I think, I think I will probably, <laughs> but um, not yet. Not yet. Yeah.
0: Well, when you do, I'll love to hear yeah. it.
1: Well thank you. I'll which which be
0: probably be year. one of the three poems I've heard from I, you. <laughs>
1: I know. I think, you know, that's I I had teachers in college who would assign their books, which I always thought
0: I remember you telling me that, yeah.
1: A little odd. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't want to be that teacher. I didn't want mm-hmm. to be that teacher who like talked about herself too much and so I'm kind of I guess learning that students do like it i mean one thing i guess if i read one of my poems every day um but yeah so i'm, I'm starting to warm up to the idea um and becoming more comfortable sharing work work with students uh yeah but
0: it, it reflects your your humility which you've always had and i've, I've always admired that because i was like it takes a it takes experience and an extreme appreciation for somebody to be, be put in a position to educate and convince their students this is something worth investing mm-hmm. in and but it was always a treat to, to hear that because it was like um receiving a gift because not well, that's, often that's really nice because not often do you actually hear work from your teacher mm-hmm. like whenever Dr. Hegwood would read his work I'm like wow you know this is this is a person I've set across yeah. and gotten so many different tips from uh, but to experience that um
1: yeah, like practicing what we what we preach. Yes, yeah. pretty much. Yeah,
0: but um, but I wanted to thank you for your time. Thank you. And um, this was uh one of my this is one of my interviews that I'm highly anticipating because I got an opportunity just to get bits and pieces of your life because all I've seen is from a perspective of a student mm-hmm. like this is what I'm being instructed to do. Make sure you do this and that. Um, but yeah, and one of the, uh, always one of my best memories will always be the, ba- the book bag incident. Uh, that was, my, <laughs> that's always my favorite one because you've always been uh, very well uh, uh, kept together and calm, mm-hmm. but at some point you have to put your foot down. Were
1: you in that class? Yes, I was.
0: <laughs> and you had already told us, don't be here any later than 1.59 mm. and somebody actually came in and left. Knowing we knew that there's no way they're gonna be back in time. So you I guess you knew that person left and in your mind like this person better be back.
1: (laughs) Two o'clock hit.
0: You picked up the uh I think they came, knocked on the door, we we were like (laughs) we were like kids sitting at a table and like a parent came downstairs and mom already told us something before they came down. <laughs> and I looked across. Kyle was like, like this. And <laughs> we could look at the door and they left and you got up, you took the boot bag and you put it outside and then you closed the door. And yeah. yeah. So that was,
1: that was fun. But I was
0: like, yes. That was, that was, Just, f- yeah. so I was, I was, I That's was very funny. proud of you as a, as a professor because you had, you you basically was saying that, not don't take me lightly.
1: Well, and and everybody's time is important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the dynamic of a, a poetry workshop, yeah. when you know you know it can change so quickly depending <laughs> on what you're talking about. That's true. Yeah. That's this true. This is up. That's funny. I think that's a good place to end. <laughs> Thanks.
0: But uh, thank you, um, and thank you for all listening um could you just right quick can you say the uh the name of your classes that you were promoting on facebook oh, for oh sure the summer?
1: so um so i'm teaching composition courses um i have if, if you need the college composition too i'm teaching that online this summer and in the fall and also in the fall i am teaching um an inquiry 1000 class on um uh, poetry is activism and uh upper level poetry class uh Called literature for the creative writer and we will be uh talking about 20th century movements in uh in poetry
0: so uh if you all are interested in taking these summer courses or just taking a course in general i know um i think aaron's going to be taking some courses next semester and he's oh, nice. he's going to be asking me for suggestions and i already threw your name out there right, thanks so um, for yeah so uh, thank you all for listening uh this is uh, professor anna harris parker at Augusta University. Uh, This is episode 25 of The Glory in Our Stories.